0: Last January, uh, my wife and I were going on one of our favourite walks, starting from Eastbridge um, out to the the sea at Dunwich and walking up the coast there and then back round through the National Trust woods there and and back to Eastbridge. It was freezing cold and the wind was blowing off the sea, uh, really blustery, but there was something to encourage us. If you've done that walk, you will know high up there on the clifftops is the National Trust Tea Shop, and it beckoned. The ground was slippery. Uh, You may remember that famous occasion, I think I've told you about when I fell flat on my face in the mud, it was on that walk. Um, But on this occasion, we were okay. And uh, it was the thoughts of that bowl of hot soup and, uh, that kept us going along the coast. That final push up the hill to the tea shop and anticipating the warmth and the light and the smells. And we were almost there and I pushed the door and it was locked. And it's stupid, when the door's locked you look in to see if anybody's there and there weren't any lights on. It was closed. It was winter, it was Monday, and they only open on Saturdays, I think. And it was um, already one o'clock. Nowhere to eat and drink except walking all the way back to the Eel's Foot Inn at Eastbridge, which was an hour away. No. Uh as you know, I'm a counsellor, and counsellors are, are used to getting you using feeling words, aren't you, they? So you can imagine what it felt like to be there on a freezing cold day at one o'clock with no food. I leave your imagination. Well, it wasn't, um, it wasn't quite like that at this wedding. At least the Cana Catering Service had turned up. But they'd run out. Whether it was bad organisation, whether too many people had turned up. Just imagine for a minute, you were the bride and it was your special day. Or perhaps worse still, you were the mum and dad who were supposed to be organising it all. How embarrassing. All these people and the wine had run out. You'd be mortified, wouldn't you? You wouldn't know where to hide. And Jesus' mother steps into the situation and calls our Lord. Now what I want to do this morning is to use this story, which we're so familiar with, to use it as a picture, a parable, if you like. And we're quite entitled to do so because verse 11 in our passage, this was the first Of the miraculous signs that Jesus performed. A miraculous sign? A sign of what? A sign that God can change things. A a sign that God can change things. Let me pose the question how do things change? How do things change in our lives? Here in this passage, water was changed into wine. Stale water was standing there in stone jars. And I know at times for us, life can seem flat and stale. It can feel as though we've been standing around and nothing much is happening. How can we discover the rich wine of our story? Well, I have to tell you that as I look into the New Testament, as I look back over my own life, as I look around me at the lives of other people, I'm convinced that the answer to change is all about love. Things change through love. Love found in relationships, love found with friends and partners, Love found in our Father God, supremely in the rich eternal love of God. The New Testament, the whole thrust of our Lord's coming was that God so loved the world that he gave. At his baptism, our Father's voice declared, this is my beloved Son, John 15, greater love has no one than this, that a man lays down his life for his friends. And in love, Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. And the rest of the New Testament builds on that theme. Because we are in Christ, God has poured, poured his love into our hearts By the Holy Spirit he has given to us. The whole thread running through the scriptures is one of love. I look back over my own life. The biggest influences in my life have been parents, a wife, friends who have loved me even when I haven't deserved it who've forgiven me, who've been gracious and kind to me, who've picked me up when I've fallen over. And the same is true when I look around in the wider world. Things change for good when there is love. In the last few months we've seen examples of a a gracious Christian lady in a world of hatred, Motivated by the love of Christ, able to forgive her son's killers. Or I was caught by that example you may have seen on the, on the Anglin News recently of a, of a businessman in Barry St Edmunds. Motivated by love for his workforce, he's given them his business in retirement. He said, I could have sold it for a million pounds, but um, rather like... Uncle John from Canada. He's discovered that more money doesn't mean more happiness. He wanted his workforce to be happy. He gave them the firm and retired. So when Margaret Smith phoned me up in a panic a couple of days ago and said, John, I should have asked you the title for your sermon. And my sermon didn't have a title. I had to make one up there and then. I said, love changes everything. Love changes everything. And so our theme this morning is love. Love turning water into wine. In our relationship with God, let's be honest, in our relationship with God, it's very easy for our our spiritual life to become stale, to become cold and stagnant like the water in the stone jars. I can remember being challenged years ago by a sermon. Some of you may remember the, the, the bishop in this diocese had the lovely name of Bishop John Wayne and uh, he was leaving um, Suffolk and, and going to be the Bishop of Chelmsford in Essex. And um, I can remember one of the last sermons he preached. He preached about knowing Jesus about wanting to recover our love for Christ. And to use that passage in Revelations, you have lost your first love for Christ. And it's true, we can get into a routine of being Christians, of going to church, of doing our duty, of making our offering. And we settle into a way of doing Christian things. And that's okay, there's a place for routine and for structure. They have a a purpose, and a good purpose. But it's helpful sometimes to stop and to think and to be challenged. Have I grown stale? Has my faith become watery? Or is there something of the rich wine of Jesus about me? I've suggested that love is at the heart of all things, of renewal, of change. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Galatians 2, The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says this is the thing that grips me and motivates me, is that Jesus loved me. And gave himself for me. And it prompts the question, what grips you and me? What motivates us? Is is it that Jesus loved me and gave himself for me? I've been knocking around the Church of God for 62 years now, uh, allowing for various periods of uh, teenage rebellion and adult bolshiness, and I know that things in churches can get stale and stagnant and sometimes we need to be refreshed, renewed, challenged, refocused. What can help us? I came across um, a book the other day called Beginning Again and I've started to read it. It describes itself Um, on the front page, as um, ideal for jaded Christians, for evangelicals who've lost their first love of Christ, for Catholics who've become over-familiar with the sacraments, for spirit-filled Christians who may have begun to leak. And it helps... Chapter by chapter to start again with God. Here's some, a flavour of some of the chapter headings. Beginning again with prayer. Beginning again with the Bible. Beginning again with the church, including a section on 10 things to do in a boring sermon. Beginning again with the Christian lifestyle. Moving on with God. So if that sounds like something you might be interested in, um, come and have a chat with me afterwards. I'll show you the book title. Or another suggestion. In my home church, there's a lady called Fran who runs three or four times a year an away day. It's open to people of any church, so if you'd like to come along, I'll tell you what happens. We go to a lovely Christian centre called Assington Hall. It's beautiful, set in the countryside, sheep around. And Fran uh, gives us some scriptures to read, some things to reflect on and then most of the rest of the day is spent in silence. You can walk in the lovely grounds, you can meditate on the scriptures, you can take uh, a Christian book to read, you could take a beginning again if you wanted to. Uh, Every now and again, people come together and they can share what God might have been saying to them. You can say as much or as little as you like, but there's a value in silence. It allows God to break in to our lives with the mystery of his grace, the mystery of the God in whose image we are created. Sometimes in our busy lives, It's valuable to have solitude. So often we are giving out in sympathy and empathy and friendship and understanding. And a quiet day like that is a chance to take in and to receive and to be nourished in our souls. So if the idea of a quiet day away appeals to you, come and speak to me afterwards and I'll tell you when the next one is. Well just one third idea. Some of you may know that um, a few months ago I retired as the director of Inspire. And when I left, they gave me a present. A book of Celtic daily prayer. And my wife and I have been using it nearly every day since. And it's lovely. It's not Bible readings. It's a thought, a meditation, a reflection for each day. And we read it, and we think about it, and then elsewhere in the book, whole sections of prayers for the day that you might use to launch you off into the day ahead. Celtic daily prayer, inspirational prayers and readings from the Northumbrian community. And it's lovely, and we've enjoyed using it. The point I'm trying to get across is this. It's so easy to become stale and stagnant and routine in our spiritual lives. And sometimes we need to break out of that mould, whether it's with a quiet day at Assington, whether it's with a reflection from Celtic daily prayers, whether it's um, being challenged to, to start again with God, or whatever suits you to find something which allows God to refresh us, to turn water into wine in our relationship with him. And the key is love, allowing God to love us, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I encourage you to examine yourself. Is the love of God at work in your life? Do you know something of new wine, bubbling up, changing in you, changing your relationship with him. We need that refreshment from time to time. In our relationship with God, love is the key. And then secondly, I want to say in our relationship with other people, love is the key. Turning water into wine in our relationships with one another. It happened here in the context of a wedding. But I'm not only talking about marriage relationships, although of course it's very true in relationships, but also between fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and friendships and families as well. I'm not so naive as to think that it's always simple and straightforward. Uh, A few months ago, I was at a wedding in Taunton and I look around and I notice that there's a sister of one of the the bride's relatives unable to be there because she had multiple sclerosis. I notice there's a groom who I've never met before but he has a seven-year-old son from a previous relationship. Over there is my brother who lives in Taunton and with whom I don't have a very easy relationship and with whom I have to keep plugging away by whenever we're down in the West Country going to visit him. So I know in families relationships are not always easy. But I do know that in that wedding They made their promises to love and care and support and forgive through thick and thin, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. A writer called Peter Abelard said that marriage is rather like licking honey off thorns. And if you're in a relationship, you'll know what that's like. There's the sweetness, there's also the sharp pain when we hurt one another unintentionally, sometimes even deliberately. Making things better, love is the key. Sometimes, often, often it can involve the dull, the boring, the monotonous, the mundane things of trudging through everyday life. Mitch and I in our own uh, marriage have worked out our way of doing things. Um, she actually likes washing and ironing, and I'm I'm gracious enough to allow her to do that. Um, She knows that I actually like cooking and and the shopping that's associated with that, Uh, and she hates cooking, so she's gracious enough to allow me to do that. Um, Neither of us like cleaning, so we don't do that. But in love, in relationships, we need to find the things that that work and the same is true in friendships in this church with our wider circle of friends whatever it may be making that phone call writing that letter remembering that anniversary giving that small gift thinking of the birthdays making that journey to Taunton or where, wherever Haunted might be for you and your families. Sometimes it involves effort, but love is the key. I'm told that after 9 11, when they analyzed the phone calls made from these stricken planes, people weren't phoning up to talk about the bonuses they'd just been given or the promotions they'd been offered. They weren't phoning up to say, You forgot to put pickle in my cheese sandwich, or You forgot to put petrol in the car again. Just three little words appeared again and again. From those stricken plains, people were phoning up to say, I love you. I love you. The wine the wine of love in our relationships with God, feeding and fueling the love of our relationships with others. John tells us that this miracle of water into wine was a sign. It was a sign of what? Of God's power to change things for the better. Other things in my life and in your life that need changing in terms of our relationship with God, in terms of our relationships with our other people, our difficult brother or sister or whoever it might be? So, friends, what are we going to do about it? Well, again, this passage gives us the answer. There was a wedding Jesus was invited. So it's all about inviting Jesus. There was a wedding, Jesus was invited, and his mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. It's all about invitation and obedience. So let me leave that with you. Invite Jesus into whatever situations might be troubling you. Be obedient to him. Allow his love to be poured into your hearts. The love of the Son of God who gave himself for us and it will change water into wine. It will change things for the better. Amen.